0: Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our readers and listeners of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position, along with your favorite beverage, to enjoy the discussion. We are talking today with Angel Martin-Oro, Editor-in-Chief of Investia.com, a financial market analysis and news website based in Spain. Angel. Welcome.
1: Hi, Andrew. Thank you for having me.
0: So, Angel, tell us, uh, tell the audience about your background and, and tell us about the work that you're doing at Investia.com.
1: Yeah, well, I I studied economics at university, and and there I became very interested in in quite a few areas in economics, also investing to to a lower extent, and I tried. In my university, I tried first uh, to to develop a a theory about uh, economics in a a wide sense. And and I also became acquainted with uh, Austrian economics, which is a a school of thought uh, quite outside of the mainstream of economics. And and after my university degree, I I tried to, to develop an academic career with a with a PhD, I I started a PhD in economics, and I first focused myself on on topics like entrepreneurship, economic growth, economic development, also education policy, but but afterwards I, I realized that uh, it wasn't it wasn't for me. Um, I about in that period I i became uh, much more interested in, in investing and, and in the financial markets than i had been interested in the past so um i realized that it wasn't it wasn't for me and and, and that's when uh, i started to work for for investia which is a uh, an investing website and i also uh give some lectures in a in a couple of uh, postgraduate programs Related to the the economic structure or the economic environment for growth um, And also related to to invest in more more in general and I'm also the the writer of a, of a biannual uh, Report on the Spanish economy
0: So angel, I think that's a good background. I think that uh, economics and finance are two core uh, pieces of anybody uh, who who goes through the educational system no matter where you are in the world I think that economics and finance should be a core core study and taught by people who have real-life experience in it and don't just teach theory, but teach real-life economics, real-life finance. I think that's really important. Um, So moving on to another question, what is your view on the energy situation in Spain? And can the Spanish infrastructure going forward support a move away from nuclear power at this point in time?
1: Well, I, I think that the recent news uh, about the, the energy landscape in Spain are quite telling uh, because the socialist government is, is quite against nuclear energy and and their ideology is, is, is quite against it. And they are, uh, ideologically, they are leaning much more towards renewable energy uh, because of, uh, I mean, the, the green impacts and, and, and the... And the allegedly uh, benefits that it has over the the environment and um, but uh it's 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 very interesting what is going on because uh while they're ideologically against nuclear energy they are kind of admitting there that it's it's very difficult to do away with with nuclear energy and and i think uh it would be a, a very good uh, lesson, a very good exercise for, for the Spanish government to, to, to admit that, that they will have to, to do away with nuclear much later than, than, they, than they would like to because a nuclear energy is, uh, is a, it's a very uh, useful part of the energy grid uh, in, in, in almost every country. And, and if you have the, the, the infrastructure already built, if you have uh, the the um, the the costs, uh, the the upfront costs, uh, you have a uh, finance already. I think you should you should go on with 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 that, and and I don't think it's a it's a sensible uh, policy to to do away with with nuclear because renewable energy may be a, a very good uh, energy source in the future, but. But you have to to complement that source with uh, with other base load carbon free uh, energy sources like like nuclear and and I think also the uh, the 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 case of Germany is also quite telling in the sense that uh, they are they want to do away with nuclear too and and they have found that it's very difficult to do it without restarting the carbon um, uh, emissions and the and the, and the carbon uh, energy, uh, the carbon as an energy source. So um, I, I wonder why the energy, uh, why the German government isn't isn't uh, planning to to continue with nuclear. And I think, I mean, it, it may be a political thing, uh, not a technical one. Um, it is one of the examples where uh, ideology trumps. Uh, the, the objective data and, and objective uh, stuff that uh, the, the technical stuff that, that the government should base on.
0: Right. I think that uh, some of them think, you know, why should the facts get in, in the way of a terrible idea like shutting down uh, nuclear plants in Germany, only to turn around and just go buy it from somebody else like France? And it's just, it's just nuts. There's already enough. Energy problems with relation to Russia's supply of natural gas to the region, and Russia's, you know, kind of uh, stronghold on choking off Europe, uh, European energy. And here, here you have some of these dumb decisions that get made about shutting down perfectly good operating plants uh, that are in perfect condition and continue to operate and provide carbon-free energy. Uh, it makes no sense to me uh, why you would do that. Uh, completely stupid. And, and of course, there's another example in California. Uh, Diablo Canyon is another one, a perfectly good infrastructure, a perfectly good piece of equipment, uh, not bothering anybody or anything, uh, operating just fine. And, and yet California government somehow thinks that uh, they're smarter than a nuclear utility is. And so that's just uh, absolutely crazy. Um, so two things, there's two companies I want to talk about just briefly in, in Spain. Uh, Iberdrola. Uh, I remember they had some projects, uh, expansion projects globally. I remember some projects out in uh, Oregon where they're expanding and doing solar panel projects in the United States. What's what's the role that Iberdrola has in Spain today? Uh, can you kind of share us a little bit of information about the company and kind of what they're
1: up to? Uh, well, they are one of the two uh, leading uh, utilities in Spain, uh, and they are focusing on renewables and, and other sources uh, of energy. But I, I don't I don't closely follow the the company, so I, I'm sorry I can't give you much information about it. But but I know that that uh, they've been very uh, very focused on renewable energy for, for quite a while, and since uh, I mean, yeah, one one of two decades about it. So, um, they are one of the leading, uh, the, the, the other one is, is Endesa and, and they are the two, the two leading uh, utilities in Spain where we're providing electricity for, for the users.
0: So, the other one, uh, we've, we've gotten a little bit of news on it. We're not sure how it's going to turn out, but uh, Berkeley Energia, uh, with their project uh, to try to develop a uranium mine in Spain, uh, Salamanca, what's your view what's the public view on this what's your view on it and do you see this actually going forward uh, anytime soon or do you see this continuing to be held up in the red tape of the government
1: yeah well they're facing a, a difficult situation there because uh, well there there are no uranium mines in spain and and as and as many experts on the topic say uh, as an investor you have to focus on on countries on, on jurisdictions where where uranium mines have been built before, and and if you try to do it in a in a country like Spain with without any uranium mines, I mean that's that's dangerous because uh, well, uh, for on, on the one hand, uh, you have the bad sentiment about nuclear energy that we talked about before, uh, the ideologically uh, view against it, and then you have also the the uh, the sentiment against mining, uh, because mining is a uh, well, it's not environmentally uh, very fr- uh, friendly, although it's it's quite essential for 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 maintaining our 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 standards of living. But but given the the, the negative sentiment for both nuclear energy and and also uh, min- mining, and which is uh, more exaggerated for uranium mining, I, I think. It may be a, a bit difficult for Berkeley Energy Energy to to succeed. Although I mean I'm not with this political stuff, with this uh, political retake, uh, you never know. And but I I, I would find myself uh, too risky to to bet on this project. And and I haven't visited the project, but uh, I have a, a couple of references from from two people I trust. That uh, they have told me that it's not a, uh, it doesn't look like uh, a very attractive project. That it's just a piece of land and uh, and very little else. So uh, I personally wouldn't bet on um, on Berkeley Energy and, and and the political risk there is is quite elevated. Although I mean uh, the reward can also be very very big if if the political red tape resolves itself in a good way for for Berkeley.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you uh, that it's going to be big time challenges and 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 with that uh, there's just so many better opportunities to take a look at on the global stage. I mean, I would if I was a betting man uh in this situation I would rather t- place my bets with a Supreme Court case outcome with uh, Virginia Energy Resources than than try to Bet and, and deal with the uh, the Spanish government. Uh, it,
1: it certainly has
0: a history of, uh, most certainly in, in modern times here, been very difficult to get anything done in relation to, to mining. And it's uh, it's too bad because it's such an important, critical piece of our advanced economies worldwide. And everything we do, uh, we need we need to have mining, and we need to be able to grow things. So if you can't take it out of the ground and you can't grow it. Uh, we're pretty much, uh, you might as well just plan on doing something else because right now we have to have both of these things and they're absolutely critical to our, our, our way of life and uh, sure. everything that we use on a daily basis. So I, I think it's really important and I, it's interesting what's going on there with Spain. Um, so looking at, uh, we already kind of touched on a few things with, with related to Europe and, and nuclear sentiment, um, Flipping to the kind of the financial side with regards to investment in, in mining and, and specifically uranium, can you tell us some, about some of the institutional investors that you're aware of in Spain and, and nearby uh, that are looking at uranium investment uh, at this point? Can you give us some names and, and maybe uh, what they're focused on?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, there there are a few uh, Spanish fund managers who are finding uranium quite quite attractive. And the first one and the biggest one is uh, Ad Valor Asset Management, uh, which is a which is a value oriented bu- boutique uh, that was founded a few years ago. But but the but the fund managers have a, a like a 20 20 year experience uh, investing, and, and they had um, they were working in a in a in another uh, fund management company uh, called Best in Bear, but. But then, following uh, the exit of uh, of the leading uh, fund manager there, Francisco Garcia Parames, which is who is a, a very well known uh, investor in Spain and and also in Europe, uh, they they parted ways and and, and they both and they found uh, a different uh, two different um, asset man- management firms. And here in with Advalor, uh they have been invested in in a few uranium companies for. I would say for one year or more or less and and they are their main investment in the uranium space is cameco uh which is uh like about now seven percent of of the portfolio so it's so it, it is a it is a quite big uh position for their for them Um they've also invested in uranium participation corp for for a while for one year more, more or less and uh, but it's a quite small position, position like uh, less than one percent of the portfolio. And then uh, they are also invested in Yellowcake uh, after the after the IPO. I think they were one of the one of the IPO investors there. Uh, and as it is uh, a very um, uh, a very small cap company, they have a, a very small position, like uh, have a have a percent in the company in the, in the portfolio but I think they are one of the the, the big investors there like uh, having uh, like uh, some uh, five percent of yellow cake uh, company and and then the their last uh, buying in the uranium space was nextgen like I think it was uh, in the in the fourth quarter or the third the third quarter they bought a, a small stake in in NextGen. so uh, all in all they have about uh, 10% in 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 the uranium investments and Cameco is the is the first one and they are as i said they are a big uh, investor here in spain and perhaps what big means is different in, in spain right, uh, as in as in, in the us because here in spain they they have about 1 billion with the B uh, assets under management in the the international strategy, which is a, a very big uh, independent asset management firm in Spain, um, and they also uh, are very positive on natural resources in general. They have about sixty percent of the portfolio in commodities-related companies. So, so this is a this is very interesting for me because. It's not that they are uh, uh, an investor focused on natural resources traditionally uh, they have they are generalists and and they have invested in mostly in Europe historically so uh, it's quite telling that they are finding a lot of value in the commodity space and and, and in the ir- uranium space uh, particularly and then we have uh a few smaller uh, investors uh, that are also betting on, on uranium we have a small CICAP, uh, uh which is called salmon mundi and they have uh, they are also value oriented but but they have a more global macro view too and and they have also about 10% of their portfolio in in, in uranium investments both in in Denison Mines, Next Gen, and also in Uranium Uranium Participation Corp. Uh, but this is a, a very small vehicle, like uh, 10 million of uh, AUM. And a third vehicle is uh, Oros from the asset management firm called Oros uh, with H. And this is uh, they have uh, an Iberian uh, fund, but uh, the international fund is the the most interesting one for me and for uranium and they also have about eight uh, percent of their portfolio in uranium uh through uranium participation corp and yellow cake and and they are quite conservative here and they they prefer not to invest in uranium miners because of the execution and operational risk and also because of the 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 fact that the uranium thesis might might take uh, longer than than we ex- expect to uh, to play, and 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 that and in that scenario, the uranium miners might suffer. So so they prefer to to invest in the physically holding uh, vehicles, and, and and this is also very interesting. This vehicle is is I mean I I I am I am personally invested in, in this one, and also in uh, in Athvalor Asset Management. And I think that they are very good managers. They are also uh, generalists, so that makes it even more interesting. The fact that they are invested in a very uh, small, hidden, opaque, and um, niche uh, market like uh, uranium, and they are also finding more value in uh, in commodities uh, other than uranium. And they also, we also have Alterius Capital with. The uh, prime uh, value fund um, they are from uh, gibraltar uh, but uh, it, it, this is a, a, a fund that is a bit different from the others because this is not uh, as accessible to to retail investors as as the previous ones but but they are also very very positive on on uranium and i think the last one that comes to mind uh, now from Spain is a is a very small fund which is like uh, four uh, million euros uh, of assets under management, and they have invested in a in a few of the uranium miners. They are they are invested in Paladin Energy, in Ur Energy, Energy Fuels, and uh, I think Denison too. and And it's about six uh, percent or six. To eight percent of their portfolio's is investment is, is invested in uranium. So uh, all in all, uh, I think this is pretty interesting. The fact that uh, neither neither of these funds are are uranium focused or commodities focused investors, and I think this it's quite interesting about the the attractiveness and the potential of of the uranium market and uranium investments to um, because, uh, as I said, these are generalists, and 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 they are focusing on uranium uh, because they are finding a lot, a lot of value there.
0: Right, and I would also mention uh, out of Lichtenstein, uh Incrementum AG is another larger fund that's uh, based not only in natural resources but also does have some uh, stuff going on with uranium. So, Angel, do you think a lot of these funds, uh, do you think a number of these funds at this point are starting to actively pursue uh, some of these companies, uh, perhaps contacting them directly, uh, looking for private placement uh, opportunities to possibly accumulate more shares as these companies need more funding, uh, you know, in 2019, 2020?
1: Uh, well, uh, I don't think so because these are uh, retail uh, retail funds. Uh, these are funds uh, open to retail investors. So I think that uh, in their uh, in their uh, intern internal norms in their regulation, I don't think they are allowed to to pursue at least in a big in a big way. So I, I would I wouldn't say I, I would say they are not. Uh, very open to to that kind of uh, investments. I think they are they are more interested in 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 open market and and listed companies and, and not private placements. Although I mean I don't know I'm, I'm I I hadn't thought about this, but uh, I don't think I think they focus is on uh, on listed companies.
0: So what are your thoughts on portfolio strategy with regards to uranium? Uh, how are you structuring your own? Portfolio in this regard.
1: Uh, well, my my own portfolio. Uh, perhaps I will give you a, a flavor of uh, of my portfolio outside outside of uh, uranium because uh, uranium is a is a is a part of of my overall portfolio. With uh, uh, yesterday, I was I was running the numbers. And uh, in uranium invest- related investments are like. Uh, 15% of my total invested assets, and uh, I have a, a bigger part of that is uh, is invested through through mutual fund, mutual funds like the ones uh, we talked about, and the the other part is is invested through through sh- through shares through individual stocks, and in that particular segment of my portfolio, uranium investments are. Uh, like 35% of my of my uh stock portfolio so so it's a, it's a big part of my uh stock portfolio but it's not a dominant part and uh, within the 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 uranium portfolio i am currently more focused on, on the us uh, because i i think uh the 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 catalyst of the section two thirty two is is quite uh, is quite interesting to play and uh and also because there are uh list uh, at least a couple of producers there that are quite interesting they are low cost and, and they i think they they will they will uh they will enjoy and they will um behave very well in a in a in a rising market but they would also um, stand with uh, with a market that doesn't rise as rapidly as uh, as we would like so so i'm currently focused on on the u.s uh, producers and then i also have uh, uh, a couple of uh, of canadian plays uh, one is cameco and the other is, is denison and um, and also my my biggest position in, in my uranium portfolio is, is yellow cake because I think it's is, is, the, is the safest the safest play and and, I, and it's also the one that requires less, uh, less time uh, to follow because it, it it only depends on the micro picture. Um, in contrast, the uranium miners. Uh, you have to you have to dig a, li- a little bit deeper, you have to follow uh, the news closely. You have to make some to do some research on them, and and I think for me it's it's quite uh, difficult to do that. And and yeah, it's also uh, I would also like to point out that uh, I'm mostly uh, a secondhand dealer of ideas of investing ideas. I I I have very little time for for uh, a deep due diligence and both in the, in the macro picture and in the individual stocks so i try to i try to be selective with my time dedicated to to the uranium space and because i mean uh, uh, retail investors like me we have a job we have a family and we can't we can spend a whole lot of time uh, with uh, researching this, this stuff and and I try to to be uh active in this space I try to read as much as I can and and I'm also invested in in a few uranium miners as I said but but yellow cake is perhaps the the easiest one and although it may have the the less uh, upside compared to the others but it, but it also has the, the less risk so uh this is more or less uh, how I'm framing my uranium portfolio but and in, in in set um um you, even I, I said that um i think that uh, also there are uh, other plays that may be very interesting like uh, like a uh, place in africa uh but i'm i'm not used to uh i'm not yet prepared to to do that i, I haven't done the enough due diligence there I, I would like to research more uh on that and and i think uh, your your nuke your nuke report will be very interesting to to read because I'm sure you will provide a lot of interesting insights on on the African place. But I think I feel I need more time. I think I feel more research to to buy into those uh into those place.
0: Right. Yeah and I think that there's a you know, as we continue down the road here we have more and more time to discuss review and investigate these companies. And, uh, that's, that's a good thing because, uh, you know, as the market allows us to have more time to look at them without them, you know, taking off anytime soon, uh, you know, you kind of get a chance to review again, twice, three times, four times, look over the same stuff and come to decisions that maybe you didn't make, or maybe you didn't have the same outlook, say in 2016 or 2017, when you first looked at the space and so with the different catalysts worldwide that are taking place uh, i think that you know people need to look at the u.s uh, section 232 catalysts the u.s has everything from producers down to explorers um, so you have that side uh, and then of course looking out beyond the u.s you have canada you have africa and you do have some stuff going on in south america as se- uh, central and south america and so i think that you know folks can begin to strategize on how they blend their portfolio with a mix of uh different types of catalysts whether it's timing whether it's uh section 232 uh timing being maybe that uh there's a play or two in Africa that could potentially come online uh, develop and produce uh during the cycle uh whereas maybe maybe timing in a Canadian play may may take uh, many, many, many years to play out, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight years. Whereas maybe in Africa, it's maybe only a two to three year timeframe. And so I think people need to look at a complete suite of different ways to blend a portfolio. The holding companies, like you mentioned, Yellow Cake is probably probably our favorite uh, when it comes to the holding companies. Um, so I think that there's A blend. You look at speculations, you look at developers, you look at different countries uh, for timing purposes, you look at Section 232 catalyst companies. uh, I think there's a lot to be considered. And of course, uh, we're not perfect in our recommendations, but we think we've got a pretty good handle on it. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how things play out as Section 232 comes down, uh, hopefully this year. And uh, there's no further disruptions on getting that off our desk and uh, and then going from there, looking at long term contracting and so forth, so uh, you mentioned a couple companies, um, so I won't uh, twist you too much more on on that side, but uh, what other investment opportunities are you looking at uh, maybe outside of uranium at this point?
1: uh yeah, well I, I would also like to add that uh, I'm quite new to the uranium and commodity space, and I started to to get interested in uranium uh, in in 2018. So, so I, I've, I've tried to read a lot, but I'm I'm just uh, a new buy here. So I, I think I, I have to 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 learn a lot more about uh, junior mining about mining in general about uranium. But I, I think that uh, we have uh, we retail investors have a kind of a, uh, we, we have been benef- benefited by uh, the research that other people. Uh, have done like uh, Mike Halkin. I mean, I, I he is my my favorite source in in the uranium space, and and I've learned uh, quite a lot of things uh, through the, through him. I've listened to a lot of his podcasts and, and tried to and tried to read or or listen to everything that he he published. I even I even interviewed him in in at Investia, and I also published an interview with him at, at Seeking Alpha. So, so your, your listeners can, can, can read it. And I think we have benef- benefited a lot by, by, those, uh, by those people. And I think that the macro picture, uh, well, uh, I wouldn't say it is clear because uh, there are also uncertainties, but I think that the, the macro picture is quite solid. In the, in the, in the individual stocks um, arena, I think it's, it's more difficult to 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 have a to have a strong view because uh, as i said i'm not uh, uh i haven't i haven't been in the in this space of commodities and, and mining uh for a long while so so i'm trying to 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 learn fast but but it's not uh but it's not enough so uh yeah you asked about opportunities uh i, I will also mention uh a couple of uh u.s plays i'm i'm also invested in, in energy fuels which i think is perhaps the best uh, the best one in the. US uh, I, I haven't invested in the smaller. US plates uh, the ones like Encore, uh, Ya Laramide. I'm not there yet yeah, it, it, it might take me uh, some time to to get there perhaps I, I would first uh, try to to study a little bit the, the African plates like Paladin Govix, or, or deep yellow um, and in the. US I have I think I have enough exposure. Uh, I I have also exposure to UR Energy, uh, which I think may be an underappreciated company. Uh, This one has been cash flow positive for in in the last few years. And people talk about it uh, much less often than energy fuels. And and I think they are well protected with their contracts until 2021. So so they might uh, they might behave quite well if the Iranian uh, thesis doesn't play out as as fast as as we would like and then i I think i I, I also have to mention that i I am still invested in Uec uh, which I think which uh, we have talked about it uh, some time uh, and yeah well I think uh, it might be a mistake from my part because uh, well it, it was the the first Uranium company that I bought uh, when uh, I started to to research on the on the sector and and I found it that they have uh, quite a lot of upside that the management seemed to be seemed to have the skin in the game Amir has seemed to be uh, uh, invested in the in his own company but I mean as as time has gone by I've Realized uh, a few things, and, and these have haven't been uh, as pretty as as I, as I first thought. But yeah, it might sound a little bit contradictory, but I'm still holding uh, my shares, perhaps because um, I think there there may be a, a lot of upside in a um, in a favorable Section 232 resolution, and and also because uh, at these prices, um, I don't i don't think the the downside might be uh, much uh much higher so i'm still holding although i'm not very comfortable and and i might uh, sell it when i find a uh, best uh, alternative
0: well sure i i would just say that uh For us, uh, you never stop learning. And it doesn't matter if you've been in the business or researched, uh, been in natural resources for 40 years, 30 years, 10 years. It doesn't matter. Uh, You know, for us, we've studied natural resource sector uh, here at Smith Weekly Research uh, uh, kind of officially and heavily uh, in 2015 onward, uh, which proved to be uh, fairly good timing uh, with regards to what happened in 2016 uh, across the natural resource space. Uh, And then, of course, prior to that, I had been involved with uh, the sector personally uh, from an investment standpoint uh, since about 2009. Um, and so, you know, it's been a long time going, but we still every day we learn something new. And as time goes on and as we study more and more, uh, we tend to form uh, opinions and, and methods on how we evaluate these companies and then, of course, uh, throughout that time period, we also would see where our thoughts before have changed. And so our opinion changes with, with facts, the new facts that come out, new information that comes out. Our opinions do change. And uh, I think that when you look at the particular companies you mentioned, uh, you know, in the States, uh, the three big kind of uh, production-ready uh, companies are the energy fuels, the UR Energy and Energy uh, Uranium Energy Corp. And when you look at those three companies, as I've said before, there's they all kind of stink. But there are, you know, Uranium Energy Corp does stink more um, with the way uh, it's it's kind of set up. And uh, whether or not that's intentional or not, I'm not sure. But the other side of that is uh, speaking in favor of it. All of these companies are listed on the New York Stock Exchange. They have a lot of liquidity compared to other companies, and they're going to be, all three of them will be some of the first companies to go up. And with that, it's all about price. And if Uranium Energy Corp is cheap and is cheaper and cheaper, then it's about price. So if you can buy these this company at a low price, your risk is reduced even even if maybe it's arguably not w- very well managed, you can still do quite well making money uh, if you get in at the right price. And that is everything in the sector is all about price and more. And so if you can get in at the right price, uh, when sentiment is low, you can do well. And on top of that, too, these are the three games in town, uh, speaking of the United States. So each one of these companies will go up. I think at this point, I think the only debate is. Is which one will go up more? Um, So you know whether you know whether we you know we don't uh, cover uh, uranium energy corp anymore. Uh, We sold it, I believe, in October 2018 for a gain. But you know uh, if it gets cheap enough again, we would look at it. Irrespective of what management does, uh, if it's cheap enough and the company maintains its New York listing, uh, we would consider looking at it again if it gets cheap enough. So I think that uh, folks that picked it up at a low price uh, are probably going to do well. Um, So I think. You kind of have to put those different aspects into perspective when you look at these companies. Now, you also mentioned uh, UR Energy. Uh, This company has some room to run. If you look at the market cap of this company compared to energy fuels, this company can literally double in price, if not more, and still be a smaller market cap than energy fuels. And so I think that UR Energy is another value proposition that can potentially do quite well. And it has a New York listing. That's kind of my two cents on it, uh, Angel. I think that uh, there's a number of pieces that need to go into the consideration. Um, so outside of the U.S., is there anything else that you kind of like uh, with uranium companies? And then after that, uh, if there is anything, what other sectors are you looking at uh, outside of uranium that you like?
1: Uh, well, outside of the U.S. in uranium, I think uh, the, the Canadian place I, I am also invested in, like Chemical and in Denison Mines, uh, well, I, I think uh, Cameco is, is the, the 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 one play that one has to, I think one has to play if if one has to uh, wants to have exposure to the sector without uh, having a, a big risk. Although the the upside is not is not as big, but I mean, uh, I think that uh, a blended uh, approach to to the uranium portfolio is. Is, is good and, and they also have as a steam as the CEO of Cameco said yesterday. They are they also have a, a Quite a good of an upside in in the US if section two two thirty two uh, Comes up uh, in a favorable manner. So so they all they also have some US US exposure and then I, I also wanted to to be exposed in the in the Athabasca Basin uh, through Denison Mines because they are, uh, I think, they are very well managed. They are part of uh, of the Lundin Group, uh, which is a, um is not a guarantee, but it's 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 perhaps the best as it gets, and uh, and they are also a very low cost. Uh, if the if the PFS uh, if the if the latest PFS is 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 valid, they are very low cost, and they although they will not be producing until. Uh, five years on the road, or or even more, but I think uh, I want to 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 be exposed to to, to the developer space, to the developers subsegment, and also in in the Athabasca Basin, which is uh, which is the the, the go-to uh, place in in the world. And as I said, I would I would like to to look at the African place, but uh, I I think I need much more time. And then outside of uh, uranium i think in i in these sectors that i'm going to mention i i only have an intuition i haven't uh, well researched them and as i said i'm a second hand dealer of investing ideas I, I read i track a lot of uh, fund managers uh, and i try to 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 get an idea of of where the opportunities may be and uh, but I think that the oil the oil sector may be a a good opportunity uh, perhaps uh, the exploration and production i don't i don't know but uh, perhaps in the offshore oil services uh, i think that demand will have to will have to grow because it's it's a it's a big chunk of the of the oil market and 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 only with the with the onshore with the shale place uh, the oil supply will not be enough to to satisfy the the, the a growing demand. So I think uh, in the oil space there there might be some good opportunities, perhaps in, in offshore contractors. And I've also seen uh, uh, the some of the fund managers that I spoke about. They are also positive on on, on this uh, sub segment. They are they are long for instance, or or Diamond uh, or or Trans um and uh, also, uh, I'm getting interested, and I've been getting interested in, in the shipping the shipping space. Uh, and I also own a, a company that has done very, very, very poorly in the, in the last uh, year. Uh, it is the TK TK Group. And, and this was uh, this is still is uh, a very big bet of, uh, of one of the, Uh, biggest independent asset managers in Spain, uh, Covas Asset Management, I I mentioned uh, before. And um, this is a holding company that has three daughters, that has one, uh, the main and the biggest uh, daughter of this uh, TK group is TK LNG, uh, which uh, is dedicated to the transport of uh, of LNG to, to the world and uh, this is a very i think uh a uh, very robust value proposition and they have uh, long-term contracts uh for shipping lng and they have been investing quite a lot of money in the last few years and uh, their growth uh projects are almost done and 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 the only thing that is coming up is is the is the cash flow from from those investments from those investments so I think that uh, those cash flows, uh, when when they arrive, which is uh, very very soon, I think they will they will show that the company is very very cheap, and 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 this also will benefit the 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 parent company TK TK Corporation, and they also have a, a daughter that is uh, TNK, uh, TK Tankers, which is uh, oil tankers. Uh, this is uh, one of the um, one of the worst uh, segments of the market in the, in the recent years, but it might it might be a, a good bet on on in the following years. Perhaps the shipping segment and and the and the oil tankers. And the other daughter of the TK Group is is, is TK uh, Offshore Oil, which is the ticker TOO, and this is partially owned by TK only because uh, Brookfield Partners entered there and. And they are managing the company now, but the, it it is exposed to the offshore oil market. So I think by by owning TK Corporation, I think I am I am exposed to to a few trends that I am interested in, like oil tankers, like LNG growth, and and the offshore market. And I think this is a this is a, this may be a good opportunity. I, I've been uh, invested here, unfortunately, for a while, so I'm. I have a, I have a, a loss that is quite big, but uh, I think it might be a very good opportunity down the road. and then also i am I'm interested in the auto sector in europe the uh, The sector has been uh, wildly punished in the in the last few years. There are a lot of doubts regarding the the risks about disruption, about the electric vehicles about the autonomous vehicles about the the economic and business cycle and there are a lot of worries there that i think they're mostly or or even more uh, priced in in the in the stock prices so i think that the sector is is quite cheap and, and there are also very interesting companies very cheap companies and and, and i think that the sector may be a very good bet if you believe that uh, the european um economic cycle is not is not going to go through a very sharp recession and only a, a slowdown in growth and i think uh and even in and even if there is a recession i think the stocks might 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 have already priced that in so i think they they might be also a good opportunity
0: well, yeah, I think you have mentioned a number of uh, opportunities that uh, are certainly due for a reversion uh, to the mean, uh, and so I think that sentiment is so low in those areas that, uh, specifically in the in the shipping, uh, offshore services, oil and gas space, I think a number of those uh, have some some catching up to do at some point, and I think that those, while volatile, uh, will probably have. A time in the sun again, and, and uh, certainly it's it's kind of a win question with some of those. Uh, the, the sector is consolidating quite a bit, and there's been some some tough times already in the past, and, and of course prices continue to remain low. But uh, I think that there is some potential opportunity in the future for that to uh, to take back off and and maybe get back uh, back to the mean. Um, so, on another subject, what do you think? Uh, where do you think the big market is headed? in 2019 uh do you, do you see that the markets are going to hold up specifically in the us and, and europe or, or what do you see going forward with the big market
1: uh yeah well that's a very complicated question and and the prediction of uh, of markets in the short term is a pure speculation but uh i i will i will try to give you a, a flavor of of my thoughts about the the, the overall market and before that, I let me let me tell uh, let me tell you that uh, I in my personal investments I try to uh, I try to be as uh, a value focused uh, investor, but I also have a uh, a wide interest in the in the global macro picture and also in a, in other uh, investing styles. So although I I mostly value I'm mostly trying to to pick stocks uh, both through my uh, shares and then through through different uh, mutual funds which which do it for me. I also have a global micro view uh, but uh, that uh, I find that it's uh, a bit difficult to to apply a global micro view into into investing because the, first of all uh, it's very difficult to, to predict uh, global micro trends I mean it's very difficult to, to be able to anticipate yourself to a, a slowdown in growth. And um, perhaps you you may see the data, the leading indicators that are slowing down. And uh, but you can you can wonder uh, is that already priced in in the markets? And you may wonder well, uh, uh, those data are public, so investors must already uh, know them, and, and they have uh, and they should have already uh, priced those data in stocks. And and I think that the the second level thinking that Howard Marks talks about in, in his book, uh, The Most Important Thing, uh, he talks that he, he says that uh, the, the the obvious things investing uh, may already be irrelevant because uh, the market already knows them and they are already discounted in the prices. But it's sometimes I have the feeling that uh, it is the obvious things that we may overlook them and and we may think... That the market is more efficient than it really is, and uh, and I think that uh, perhaps the the 2015-2016 slowdown in growth, that the market was going crazy because there was going to be a global recession, but if you looked at the data, uh, the recession in the developed economies was only almost only in uh, in ener- the energy and mining space, but. Uh, if you looked at the overall economy, the data were were still solid and and you may wonder, well uh, is the market full I mean uh, the market is, is isn't full but uh, sometimes you you may get that that feeling and and with the overall market, I think last year uh, in the in the last part of last year, I think we saw an irrational sell-off I think it was irrational because the market was trying to anticipate a recession that that hasn't come that, that that hasn't come up yet, and I think it was mostly irrational. Uh, of, of course, there are risks; there are always risks. But I think it was irrational, and and sometimes the market tries to anticipate and tries to predict a recession. And if you look at the the history, uh, the track record of the market predicting recessions is not very good. So you have to have a an independent view there about uh, the economy and about the markets and I think that, that the markets the overall markets uh gave a, a very good opportunity to buy into stocks in the in the latter part of twenty eighteen um I tried to do that, but I have to say that the timing is 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 very hard and 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 when when well, the market had already fallen a bit in the in, the, in early uh, 2018, I, I tried to buy some stocks, and, and and I found that I was too early. Uh, but I think that that the that the latter part of uh, 2018 was a very good opportunity. And um, now with the rebound that has already taken place, I'm I'm more neutral short term because uh, I think that one has to to be vigilant of the of the macroeconomic risks. I don't see a recession uh, being imminent in the in the global uh, economic space i think that we will see in slowdown and perhaps a recession but but not uh, imminent perhaps in 2020 or something like that and and i think that one mistake that that investors make is is just trusting their investing ideas in the years that the U.S. Uh, bull market has taken place. I mean, uh, we all know that this that is very long in the tooth. That is like uh, nine or 10 years of a bull market. Uh, you, you can you can say that it's hard that, that this continues. Of course, this will not continue forever. But we already had a, a 20% correction in the U.S. markets, and we already had uh, a uh, 20%-plus correction in Europe in 2018. We had a, a 20%-plus correction in Europe in 2015 and 2016. So I think, especially in Europe, I don't think it's, it's overstretched. I, I don't think we can say that the bull market has has uh, has taken uh, long, uh, very long. I, I think that there may be very good value opportunities there, and uh, you have to take into account the macro risks. But uh, I think that already uh, in some segments of the market, in some sectors like uh, the auto market that I mentioned before, I think they, they may already uh, discount uh, a recession. And so uh, you, you will only have to uh, a slightly better than expected environment for these stocks to, to, to behave well and if you have uh, that uh, pessimism discounted already in stocks i mean i think that you may you, that you may do very well in this in this particular segments of the market and regarding the overall market i i'm neutral now but i think that uh, perhaps the time, the time has come for active management for for picking stocks and perhaps for 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 natural resources to to do well because uh, there's also uh, a very uh, serious risk at least uh, assets as it's perceived by the market that uh, we are in the late cycle stage of the of the of the bull and the expansionary phase of the economy and that may be true in the case of the united states and also in the case of the MS, msci world which is mostly the us uh, as i said i think i i have a hard time finding that thesis true in the case of Europe. And that said, I think that uh, Europe has uh, quite ample room to grow and the U.S. may be a little bit bit more uh, stressed, but uh, I think that uh, some of the technology companies... uh, I don't share the view with a lot of uh, natural resource investors that uh, these stocks are kind of a bubble i mean, I, I don't know why but you uh, you find a somewhat positive correlation between the extent that one invests in natural resources and the extent that that, that those investors believe believe that uh, technology is a bubble uh, I think there are some stocks that may be in a bubble or, or something similar but I think that the likes of facebook or alphabet I think they might be in a in a, in a good position and and, and even a. In a, in a cheap price for for these stocks to do well in the future. So, and, and given that these stocks are a very important part of the U.S. market, I'm not I'm not pessimistic yet on the, on the U.S. market, and, and especially after the after the the correction in 2018, I'm I'm not negative about the market.
0: Well, I appreciate your view on on the markets, and and you covered a lot. Um, our view is is just uh, cautiously optimistic. Uh, The 10-year anniversary uh, for the United States is this March, Uh, so we're going on 10 years. So we would just say short of natural resources uh, and uranium, we say cautiously optimistic going forward, make sure you have cash, and uh, we'll see what the Fed does uh, next as far as their uh, monetary ideas, and uh, we'll go from there. Um, So uh, you're on Twitter. Uh, How can people best get in touch with you?
1: Well, yeah, my, my Twitter handle is uh, A underscore Martin Oro. I will spell it A underscore M A R T I M O R O. That's my Twitter handle. I'm, I'm very active there, although I, I mostly publish in, in Spanish, but I also try to publish some, some things in, in English. So I'll, I'll be glad for you to follow me.
0: Yeah, and the audience should uh, should reach out there on Twitter. You're you're pretty active. Uh, so, Angel, uh, we appreciate the uh, time you took today to talk with us.
1: Thank you for having me, Andrew. It's been a pleasure.